what you see in society itself being mirrored in the venture capital and startup world. That's what I'm really aiming towards. The whole space, especially in Germany, is just very male-dominated. And I thought there must be a piece of cake that they're not looking at. So I thought it would be better to go into that area and invest myself and then find the companies where no one's looking and generate great returns out of that. Welcome to another episode of Speak Like a CEO. My name is Lena Carlson and I'm here with Oliver Ast. Hey, Oliver. Hey, Lena. Our guest today has many jobs with one purpose, to support female founders and investors in Germany. As a business angel, she invests in startups with her investment company, OXO. And to have even more impact, she recently raised the OXO Female Catalyst Fund together with her business partner. With Evangelistas, she founded a network of female business angels, and she also sits on the board of the German Startup Association and advises the Federal Ministry of Economics and Technology. So we have a lot to talk about, and we're happy Dr. Giza Michaika has made time to be on the show today. Welcome, Giza. Thank you so much for having me, Lina and Oliver. It's great to be here. If you were to write a book today, what would it be about? Ah, what a difficult question that is. I think it would be about... Um, how to change the world for a better, how, how to um, be able to save the world. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to um, get all the information myself. So what I would do is I would get all the experts and ask them how they think we will be able to tackle all the big issues that we have and uh, make a summary out of that. I think that's a, a very bold question to answer and one that I think is on the minds of lots of entrepreneurs right now is how how can we do things that have a positive impact and maybe actually even reduce some of the negative impacts that humans have had on the world. Can you tell us exactly um, about OXO and what it is? Well, yeah, there's two parts to OXO, as Oliver already mentioned. Uh, the first part being us as angel investors, which we've done in the past uh, two years together with my lovely colleagues, Fabiola Hochkirchen and Bettina Schmitz. Um, and uh, we have a portfolio of 14 companies and we invested um, in startups uh, which had a uh, sustainable growth and um, impact-driven founders. That was um, what we've been doing in the past two years. And the second part being the also Female Catalyst Fund, where Bettina and myself um, decided to invest only into female founders and uh, to create a female layer onto the VC world and actually build a bridge between female founders and uh, venture capital. That's basically what we're trying to do. And is that the first of its kind in Germany or Europe? It is in Germany. And uh, the approach that we have is very unique also in Europe. But there are other uh, so-called gender lens funds in Europe. Um, uh, but we, what we are doing is actually we are a co-investment fund. So um, we only invest... Uh, not with the biggest ticket, but with the second or third biggest ticket, or even even less, and um, and thereby we really bring all the uh, people in the industry um, to invest more into female founders. So that's what we think uh, is unique about us. And what were you doing beforehand? Like, what got you to this point of being an angel investor? Well, um, I started my career as a strategy consultant, and later on, I um, I worked in startups. So basically, 
I was seeing lots of um, startup founders and lots of investors. And I just realized that the whole space, especially in Germany, is just very um, male-dominated. And uh, I thought there must be a piece of cake that they're not looking at because uh, they're fighting over the same types of deals, which I don't think um, are really that, that, that they're great, but they don't interest me as much. <laughs> um, and so I thought it would be better to uh, go into that area and invest myself and then find the companies where no one's looking and uh, generate great um, returns out of that. It's interesting that it's not just about promoting and supporting female founders for you, but you also believe there's a business opportunity, right? Yes, of course. That's actually the primary, the, the thing that's primary for me, myself. <laughs> um, I do want to change something. And it's not only about female founders, as you originally said. I want to change something. I want more diversity in this whole scene, uh, being it uh, the startup founders themselves, but uh, or the investors or even the limited partners. I would like to have just um, what you see in society itself being uh, mirrored in the venture capital and startup world. That's what I'm really aiming towards. Um, but uh, but the underlying idea why I actually uh, started investing was because I saw great returns coming my way <laughs> by looking at a, at a space nowhere, no one else was looking at. Can you give us an example? Um, what, you know, what, were you at great returns and no one was looking at? Well, um, you know, two years ago, not many people were looking at uh, impact startups. And um, th th those those investments that we made uh, were, were just overlooked at the time. When Corona came, things did change and people started looking at it that way. And many impact funds are being raised currently and some have already successfully raised. And uh, that's great. Uh, and I think it's the completely right way of going. But that's just one example. We We... We thought that um, you can align impact and financial returns and uh, that the space that we really wanted to go into was that of really changing the world for a better society, for a better, better environment, um, and so on and so forth. So that's just one, one of the few things. And the second one being uh, just second example, female founders, uh, because the whole venture capital world, especially in Germany, is very male-dominated. So 97% of um, partners at funds are uh, male. Um, so we thought probably everyone uses their similarity bias, and that's why they're not investing that much into female founders, and that's why they're being overlooked, even though um, I would assume that, uh, that they're as good as men. So that's the, the second area that <laughs> has been overlooked and where we think um, we will get a better piece of the cake. Can you tell us about any of the ideas that have excited you recently um, or the discussions that you've been having? Yes, well, what most excites me actually are climate uh, companies, to tell you the truth. Um, and we just recently invested into a company called Carboculture, um, and carboculture, they uh, create biochar, um, which, while you produce it, uh, takes CO2 out of the atmosphere. And then it can also store um, the, uh, you know, bad stuff out of the air uh, for thousands of years. So that's something which really excites me. And um, But there's a lot of other spaces as well. I love health tech Um uh, anything that is B2B, SaaS is great. Um, 
Uh, and I like things that really um, just make a difference and are completely new. How would you how would you describe your communication style, and, and how do you um, how do you bring that communication style to bear in your businesses? Well, you know, we're all mothers, and um, all three of us, and. I think the communication style that we've chosen since the beginning and that it, it was implicit, it didn't happen uh, because we, we effectively chose it. It just, it just happened is uh, being very, you know, um, integrative, like trying to bring people together, trying to help people, trying to, um, um, you know, um, help startup founders and uh and be not not thinking about um the the maximum how where we can what we can reach but reaching it together and uh, at the same time reaching it in a positive way and that's what we've been trying to do and um that's one of the parts of the communication style that we've chosen and the second part what we've chosen is actually to use our usb which is Uh, one of the most obvious ones is us being uh, women, <laughs> um, and and take that and um, and and really like uh, that's why we created this fund. Also, take the opportunity. It's also a timing question. Uh, female founders and female investors is a topic that people like talking about today. So really use that and um, talk about it wherever we're invited, and uh, hope that we can change things for good. And in your communication style with startups and potential investment opportunities, do, do you think your style differs from that of other VCs or angel investors? Well, I don't know, but we've been told um, that a difference to our approach and what other investors uh, did was that we are um, less prone to bringing the startup founders to um, really scale fast. Uh, that's one difference. So what we do is we help them and we uh, tell them the business, uh, the way we, we would do the business and um, what we uh, find right. But we won't put a lot of pressure on the fact that um, the scaling has to happen now and fast. So we want to have, as I said in, at the beginning, we want to have Uh, sustainable growth and that's one of the main points I think which where we differ what exactly do you mean by sustainable growth well building real assets and having those assets instead of the marketing dollars determine the growth I think that's basically what we uh, what we like we want the assets themselves to be the ones that um, that bring the growth instead of um, only driven, having it driven through marketing activities. How has the response been so far to the idea of setting up an all-female fund? Well, um, <laughs> we started off in February 2021, uh, sending out our deck. And within, people were telling us at the beginning, well, it will take you one and a half years until you, you'll be able to do the first closing. Um, and at the end, it really worked quickly because um, it's also a question of timing, as I said before, uh, but we also had a strategy which was pretty good. So at the beginning, we started off by asking GPs of other funds to invest into us um, because we wanted to have some kind of seal uh, to show what the idea that we have and that we're pursuing is actually something which um, is, is a good idea. And we wanted people who are, you know, just 
have been in this area for for a long time to tell us that uh, this approach is right. So that was the initial part that we 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 tackled. And the second t- type of group that we tackled were really um, mighty, powerful women from economy or uh, high-risks or, um, you know, uh, uh, politicians. And uh, we we talked about the necessity to um, bring more women into this area, but also the necessity of, as I said, coupling that with um, with attractive returns and uh, the attractive returns being uh, at the forefront of this. And that really worked well because we had the seal of these uh, venture capitalists uh, and the women were really excited and it went really fast. So I would say at the beginning, we thought it would be a lot more difficult than it was. And people always told us that fundraising is is really just uh, tedious. And to us, it's not at all because every time we talk to investors, it's just overwhelming what kind of people you meet, what kind of experiences they have, what what they can bring to the table. And even if they don't invest, what you can learn from them. That's, I would say, the most important thing, why we really liked this phase of fundraising. Yeah, that's interesting. I think you're in the sweet spot where you have a great idea, great purpose, but also offer great returns. And that's obviously something that, you know, is very powerful as, as a combination. Um, we were also wondering about evangelistas and how, how your network fits in here, the network of female business angels, which you uh, set up or helped to set up. Maybe you can shed some light on that as well. Yeah, well, Fabiola, Fabiola, Tina, and myself, we, when we started off, we, um, we were re- really lonely. We said, well, it's only us and we don't know that many female investors. And then we decided to create a group, uh, and we called them evangelistas and we invited everyone we knew, um, who was doing angel investments and the group grew bigger. And then we decided to do offline meetings and to get to know each other and to help each other with stuff like deal flow. Um, or due diligence or um, just basically networking. Um, and having this group was really important to us because uh, just having other peers to be able to bounce ideas with and to, um, you know, be able to invest together as well and to see um, um, if we were going the right path. I think that's that's why we, we did it and uh, and it was appreciated by everyone. So um, we have a Slack group nowadays. It were, originally, we started off within a WhatsApp group, but it just became too, uh, too many messages being sent. And uh, the Slack group is, we, we help with deal flow and we use it right now also with the fund. So if we have founders addressing us and asking us for an investment, and even if we don't invest, we have an opportunity to help them by sharing their deck with almost 150 uh, female business angels in Germany. So it, it has been pretty great to be able to combine those two worlds of still being able to have the evangelistas um, and on uh, on the same at the same time uh, con- focusing on our fund but just to mention one other thing which is important at this point there is um, a, a new they founded this year they uh, founded the themselves this year it's called encourage ventures and encourage ventures is uh, what they want to do is like a um, to build an umbrella above all these initiatives and all these uh, founder and investor 
female founder and female investor friendly uh, initiatives. And what what they are doing is bringing everyone together. And maybe um, the evangelistas will be able to move into encourage ventures. So that's you, you never know. That's something that uh, we might, we are expecting could happen. What are the communications challenges you see in that world of of investing at the moment? Well, lots of Slack and WhatsApp is uh, is huge. Emails, um, LinkedIn. I I think LinkedIn is a really great channel to use. Uh, I've met many other angel investors and venture capitalists via LinkedIn. Even sometimes they wrote to me. Sometimes I wrote to them and asked for a quick. Uh, you know, virtual coffee. And that's something which is also great. Uh, the new world after Corona has made it possible for us to have these really short virtual coffees with people and it being completely normal and being able to um, have a relationship with someone, um, even if you don't know the person online. So uh, LinkedIn is super powerful also because it's uh, international, global. And our focus right now is also on Europe as a whole, so so that's very positive to use that as a channel. But I think um, my preferred channel is actually meeting someone in person. <laughs> um, I think it's the most authentic um, channel because you really build a connection and uh, you talk to someone in a different way uh, via, you know, in 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 reality um, versus screen. Because in the screen, you're always looking at all the open tabs or you're looking at yourself or you're looking at what's happening in the background of the other person. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that doesn't happen in reality. Agreed. But that being said, I think what has been nice about, um, I guess, this remote hybrid work setup that a lot of us have been in for like the last year and a half is that it also opens up opportunities to meet people that they wouldn't have had the chance to before. Um, you know, so whether they're in different cities or they're, you know, needing to work at home because like their family or their kids are there. I think that's also cool, but I agree like face-to-face -face is quite nice. Um, what I wanted to ask about is your mentorship and advisory board activities, because there seems to be a lot of them. Um, first and foremost, why is that something that you spend so much time on? Um, and what is the benefit to, I guess, to both sides? Because I think it's not a one-way street. Well, I love my job. That's basically why I started also uh, working in the political um, area and going uh, into the German Startup Association and also working for the um, uh, Minister of Economics. Um, I, I think if we really want to change something in Germany, then uh, you can't do it without politics. Um, because there's just so much that is uh, based upon how politics are done and what regulations come through and which don't. Um, so the the benefit that I have is obviously a net, apart from the network benefit, which is great because meeting all these fantastic people that I would never have met if I wouldn't be in the startup association or in uh, the young advisory board. Um, apart from that, it's, um, it's really changing something and really be participating in, uh, for example, when Corona started, uh, getting Corona help for many startups and, um, just that being one thing. But what I am trying to do is actually position myself, um, and also taking the, the part of me, which is, uh, the largest and that being the, um, aim to diversify this whole scene um, 
and and really taking this topic and focusing on that. So uh, in both the uh, advisory board and the association, I I do um, focus on these topics mostly. To persuade in an, an environment like that, being a, a network or being a part of a board, the German Startup Association, for instance, or as an advisor to uh, the federal government, you have to be very good at being persuasive. So what would you recommend to people trying to be more persuasive and being better networkers and better uh, better getting their, their points of view across? Uh, is this something you trained? Is it something you just picked up over time? Do you have wisdom in that area you could share? I wouldn't say I'm very wise in that area yet. <laughs> I'm still learning myself. Um, I think the, the the main part is actually listening and um, and 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 really talking to people. I think the the main part is getting connections, understanding where other people are coming from, and trying to get your point across and, and explaining them where you're coming from and trying to build a bridge um, in, in in respect to whatever you're doing. And um, for me, the main thing, like if you say your question was, how can people start networking more? Well, just by doing it, <laughs> I think that um, there is so many opportunities nowadays to network. Just uh, go to events and uh, the startup association. You can just become a member as uh, and and join the events that they have, for example, and then you just start mingling with people and. Um, if you always see it from the side of learning, which I do when I meet someone, I always, um, I, I'm always positive about meeting someone new because you always learn something no matter how uh, or who this person is, what background this person has. Um, there's always something to learn. And I think that's uh, an approach that if you, if you go into it that way, um, with that kind of mindset, with that kind of positive mindset, then, um, then probably, Uh, you will succeed. But as I said, I'm learning as well myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I'm also a learner in this respect. I think communication is a feat where you never stop learning. But I wonder what your views are on um, how not to do it. You know, I'm thinking about LinkedIn. You mentioned LinkedIn earlier, how important it is. But also in real life, of course, there are many ways to get it wrong as well. Probably not just, uh, you know, it's probably just an oversight or not knowing any better because there's no feedback potentially. But what sort of your, your two or three Uh, don't do this when it comes to networking, yeah. be digital or in real life. Yeah. Well, um, I think being aggressive is something which won't work very well, especially uh, I see many people putting comments below other people's uh, posts on LinkedIn, which sound really aggressive. And I think if you, um, that for me is a big don't because once people become aggressive, I just uh, lose interest in, in talking to them because it it just seems as if they're, um, narrow-minded and won't enter into a real normal discussion. Um, so, so that I think is, is the main thing to, um, to be open and to be interested and maybe to give your opinion on something, but also be flexible on your opinion. If someone, um, knows better or can, or can maybe convince you of, of, uh, of a different opinion, um, but sometimes maybe you can convince someone else of, of your opinion. And just to use that, I think the big no-go is actually being aggressive. And the second big no-no, and that's um, just not doing it, uh, being being inactive and um, passive about this. It's uh, Network won't come to you. You have to go to your network. 
Yeah, I really like that. Um, I think that's spot on. The most important thing is just doing it, learning and, and uh, meeting people. And you, you will attract the right kind of people if you're honest and, and authentic. And, and yeah, aggressive is an absolute no-no. And maybe if I would add one, it would probably be, be sort of not targeted and just, you know, blasting out messages. Oh, yeah, definitely. Ah, not targeted. Because people will know that you have an agenda And, uh, and, it, and then, you know, especially in a very small circle of people, um, people will know quickly, okay, this guy or this girl or this woman wants to, um, get reach this and that's the sole purpose. And, uh, and then people will stop talking to you because it's just uh, not worth their time because they want different things than what you want. Yeah. Following up on that. So then how would you suggest that somebody approach someone that they're interested in kind of getting a foot in the door with? Well, um, typically what, if I, just, I can give you examples how I do it. So, um, if I really want to get to know someone, I will do a little bit of research and figure out where this person can be reached. And, um, maybe I'll reach out via LinkedIn Or I will ask someone uh, where I know that they are connected with this person on LinkedIn. Or I can check if uh, this person is going to um, a specific event that uh, that is uh, close by to where I live. And then I can join that event and um, use that to approach that person. I think those are the best ways of, of going forward. Um, and... At the end of the day, it's there's not always only one person that um, uh, can help you with whatever you need. So if you're going through this whole process and talking to people and, and getting input, then why don't you also communicate with the other people um, and use their input instead of only focusing on this one sole person that you want to talk to? For example, I get asked a lot um, – well, do you know Verena Pausta and uh, can you uh, get me in touch with her because I really want to, her to um, help me with whatever. And um, she, she's, a, she's, a, she's a role model for us all and uh, her time only has 24, or she also only has 24 hours, the same as us. <laughs> so the probability of just anyone being able to meet her and to talk to her in person is probably uh, not very high. So why don't you pick out the aspect that you want from her and then try to find people who have this aspect and who can also help you with whatever you're looking for. Yeah, that's a really good point, creating that common that common objective and that common project potentially. And I, I think this could also be content, right? Like uh, being on a podcast together, creating something together. And you're also a podcast host, right? Yeah, I uh, with Lina Behrens together, we... Um, Uh, are on well we are guest hosts uh, in, on the pioneer one and we do the female founders edition of the tech briefing so yeah <laughs> christoph kiz is the main host but uh yeah we help out <laughs> how has that experience been i love it i love it i'm actually i prefer being on that side than on the side that i'm on today um I think asking questions uh, to, um, and our focus obviously is uh, female founders. So uh, being able to ask questions, any questions that uh, come up 
in your mind to someone that you've um, that you're a fangirl of, and mostly I am a fangirl of the people that I invite. <laughs> uh, that's uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing. I think it's uh, one of the best hobbies that I've chosen for myself for the past uh, few years. <laughs> I think Lena and I couldn't agree more. I mean, we we just enjoy these conversations. Since since you're a great podcast host, and you said you enjoy that, um, what question would you ask yourself? in our shoes that we haven't asked you yet yeah maybe uh i don't know if your listeners uh the focus is on on um communication as far as i heard with all uh, the podcasts that you have so um one thing really is to figure out your uniqueness and use that uniqueness and um yeah that that like the, the, the that's not a question it's more of an answer but <laughs> like wh how do you start off by um how do you communicate about yourself best i would say to figure out what what's special about you and then communicate exactly that i think that's great advice uh, be unique will give you uh, more visibility more awareness uh, also has the big advantage of you can be yourself which not everyone does in communications you know there's some play acting uh, going on as well or just the assumption that i have to play a role if i'm in my job uh, don't do that be unique be authentic stand out because only that will guarantee that you're actually visible and visibility creates trust and trust creates all the opportunities that you crave. So I think this would be a, I'm shame we didn't come up with that question, but thank you for, for helping us with that one, Giza. Much appreciated. And to, to wrap up, um, what would be a final piece of communications advice to everyone out there among our listeners? To dare to go forward and, and communicate. Um, I think that's, as I said before, just do it. And, um, And you'll figure it out on the way. Um, for example, when we started fundraising, our pitch was completely different to what it, it was at the end. And uh, pivot, <laughs> pivot fast and check out what is good, what is bad, uh, what is working and what is not working. It doesn't necessarily need to be good or bad and use that and uh, to to improve your communication. But I wouldn't say that I'm the complete expert in communicating at all. I would say I'm just, um, I just like communicating. That's the, that's, uh, the difference. I'm, I'm not very, um, you know, eloquent. Um, I just, I just love talking to people and love, uh, meeting people. And I think that's, that, that's the difference. <laughs> that's a good point. That, that genuine interest in other people uh, makes people good communicators yeah i think also like with communication is you don't have to be an expert so long as you're an expert in what you're doing which in this case is investing and um you know working with female founders and i think communication so long as you've got that passion and interest just follows suit yeah and everyone has has a unique insight into some area so yeah exactly Thank you so much for sharing yours with us today. Thank you, Gina. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And yeah, wishing you a lovely rest of your day. <laughs>